After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome into another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. As you all know by now, we typically open the show with saying we have a very special show ahead of us today. And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. Um, but today it is most certainly true. We're here to break down the Detroit Tigers top 10 prospects in the farm system overall. Our guest today is Emily Walden. Emily has been the Tigers correspondent for us here at Baseball America for a couple of years now and has written the Tigers Prospect Handbook chapter for us the last couple of years as well. As you may know, Emily was diagnosed with breast cancer back in January. Uh, she is currently undergoing treatment. And uh, as we've all seen, the baseball world is, has come out in full force to support her. And we're very, very happy she's able to join us today. Emily, before we dive into the Tigers farm system, uh, first and foremost, how are you doing? You know, I, like we were talking off the air earlier, I have been better. I've been worse. Um, it's definitely been a really, really big learning curve to sort of figure out the ebbs and flows of getting used to the treatment, um, getting used to how my life kind of looks at the moment with handling that. And I would say overall spirits are good. Um, obviously, I count myself very fortunate in comparison to a lot of people in my position. Um, and just doing my best to keep a positive outlook on everything. Absolutely. And we really, really encourage people to help out in any way they can. Uh, one of the things that has come out of this, and Emily obviously is very, very well respected in the baseball community. Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, was kind enough to create limited edition t-shirts in which all net proceeds will be donated directly to Emily uh, to support her battle against breast cancer. Make sure and go online. The t-shirts are available at rotaware.com. You can also Google Pitching Ninja t-shirt Emily's Fight Edition. It's a limited release, so they're only available until February 27th. Please go ahead and, and purchase a t-shirt. I've ordered mine. A lot of people in the baseball world have as well. And again, all net proceeds go to Emily in her fight against breast cancer. Emily, I do have to ask, what has it been like seeing you know, so many people, players, writers, everyone wearing this shirt and how has it helped you directly? I think the reminder that you're such an intricate part of this incredible community, it's, it's been mind-blowing. I've used that term so many times now, but it really has just surpassed everything that I may have expected. Um, just to know that you're part of a family of, like you said, not only players and coaches, but also the writers and scouts and just all a part of that, that community. It's brought me to tears multiple times, just seeing how 
that people have come out in full force. Um, they've gone above and beyond to just express their support and fighting alongside of me. And I, I honestly could not say thank you enough to everybody. It's really just been an incredible thing to witness. Absolutely. Well, we're all with you and, and we all are here to help any way we can. All right. So you ready to talk tigers? I am ready. Excited to get going on this. Emily, last year when you put together the Tigers top 10 for Spencer Torkelson, fresh off being the top overall draft pick in the 2020 draft, was the number one ranked prospect. Uh, but there were two pitchers right behind him, Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, uh, just between the two of us and, and also on the air a little bit, that historically speaking, the Tigers have actually struggled to effectively develop homegrown players. Going back, I did a study before the 2021 season where I looked at which franchises are the best at producing not only big leaguers, but regulars and all-stars. And the Tigers, for about a 25-year span, were near the bottom. They were the bottom five in terms of both uh, how many regulars they produced and how many all-stars they produced from their farm system. Uh, but last year, we saw Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. They were really two of the best rookie pitchers in baseball. They finished number two and three, respectively, in innings pitched among rookie starters. Skubal finished among the rookie leaders in strikeouts. Mize among the rookie leaders in ERA. And they really established themselves as parts of the Tigers rotation moving forward after really rocky initial debuts in 2020. How much has seeing their success kind of altered the viewpoint and really the level of optimism surrounding the Tigers ability to get the most from their homegrown prospects? Yeah, I would say that the Tigers are probably, you know, more aware than anybody of where they've landed positionally as far as their ability to, you know, to cultivate this talent and, I give a lot of credit to Chris Fetter, uh, the former pitching coach at University of Michigan, who I got to know while he was still with the Wolverines program, working with Eric Bakich, has such a passion for cultivating young arms. He loves to work with them on a, just an individual basis, get to know them as a person, and he's extremely gifted at sort of shaping these development programs on a pitcher-by-pitcher basis. Um, he understands how difficult it is at that level to really set yourself apart. And I think the fact that he goes so far into building a relationship with these guys, getting to know guys like Tarek and Casey, and then learning how to capitalize on their strengths. How do you pull the best out of this natural ability? And as Casey and Tarek will tell you, it's hard enough, but having that type of a leader in front of you who's willing to invest in you and get to know where you can shine the brightest I think has just showed that the Tigers have made very, very sound decisions in multiple coaching positions because it's showing, hey, we understand that we've struggled in this area in the past. This is what we're doing to try to make this improve moving forward. Yeah, it's come up a few times, the hiring of A.J. Hinch as manager, Chris Fetter as pitching coach, and then most recently hiring Ryan Garko to be their new farm director this offseason. All those hires have drawn a lot of plaudits around the industry, and, and a lot of people seem to have more faith that the Tigers will get the most out of this homegrown talent. You mentioned, you know, Scoobal and Mize and how much they clicked with Fetter, but Tyler Alexander stepped up last year as well. He's a homegrown talent. Spencer Turnbull was showing some good things before he went down, had an injury that required Tommy John surgery. He's homegrown. Matt Manning, we saw come up and struggle last year. But again, you see rookie pitchers struggle a lot. 
You only have to look at how Myers and Scooble struggled a little bit in 2020, took steps forward in 2021, and maybe that can be Manning from 2021 to 2022. So we are starting to see the Tigers have this nice core of homegrown pitching. Uh, they went outside Eduardo Rodriguez. So there seems to be a lot of confidence the staff will be okay. Now it's about the bats and getting these guys up to the majors and having them click. And that leads us into the top two prospects in this system, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, their first round picks in 2019 and 2020, respectively. We've talked in the past, there were people at the time of the 2019 draft who thought Green was the best high school talent available ahead of Bobby Witt Jr. and C.J. Abrams. And Torkelson was the clear-cut number one prospect in the 2020 draft. Both played their first full seasons in 2021. Both reached the Futures game. Both got to AAA. And they're now on the doorstep of the majors. Emily, what do the Tigers have with these two? And ultimately, how did you kind of separate them out? Yeah, I spoke with an American League scout who has had the opportunity to watch both Riley and Spencer at the collegiate level and then also at the professional level. And he said, you know, you can tell the Tigers have a good problem on their hands when you're trying to pick which one should be in which position, because he said, you really can't go wrong with either one. Obviously, different profiles. You have Spencer from the collegiate side, Riley from the high school side. And because of that, there's obviously going to be some differences. But with Riley, he has yet to really show any growing pains, in my opinion. He's hit every challenge that the Tigers have presented to him, and he's absolutely excelled. Obviously, with Spencer, we saw that it took a little bit more time to sort of discover himself at the plate. But we saw what happened once he did. He locked in, put that power on display, put that on-base percentage through the roof, and showed what he really, really is capable of from an offensive standpoint. And like what you said, the Tigers do need to show we've got some bats in the works because, as we know, pitching has become you know a little bit stronger of a core for the organization, but they're in desperate need of filling some of those spots, especially with Miguel Cabrera on his way out the door. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that stood out about Riley Green, there was always a lot of confidence that he would hit and hit for power. Now, getting to AAA his first full season exceeded even the highest expectations, but it wasn't completely out of nowhere. Again, this has been an exceptional young hitter since he was in high school, but there's long been an expectation that he would eventually move to a corner outfield spot. And one of the things that's been really interesting is he's actually played a pretty good center field and again this is someone that people feel can be an all-star in any position center field or a corner outfield spot but if he can stay in center that's obviously that much more valuable how much has his defensive progression kind of changed his outlook and ultimately how much did that give him the edge and make him the number one prospect in this system yeah I would say with him he he's not going to show the same type of speed that you would see with a Derek Hill Obviously, Derek Hill has a combination of defense and speed. But the thing that I've always respected about Riley is he's incredibly scrappy. And I think that when you sort of give that vibe of maybe you're questioning long-term what he could do, he almost shoots you that little smirk and says, oh, you want to see what I'm capable of? Let me show you. And he's somebody who hates to lose. He is incredibly competitive. And the beauty of his defense, I think, has really sort of overshadowed anything he might lack in the speed department, which even there, he doesn't really lack per se, maybe not as flashy as a Derek Hill, but he's extremely solid across the board to the point where I don't think the Tigers have seen a reason to position him out of center at this point. 
And when you have somebody like Daz Cameron, who had been in conversation about being a center fielder at one point, still sort of struggling to find his way, I think they want to make sure they have a bit of depth in that position. And if Riley hasn't given him a reason to move him over, I think he still has a pretty strong case to keep going there. Yeah, like you said, he's not a burner, but what keeps coming up is he can stay there. He makes the plays, and if he does move to a corner, well, then you've got a well-above-average corner outfielder. All the while, again, people are putting big, big numbers on him offensively. I mean, you hear 300 with 20-plus home runs and maybe more on both accounts. This is just a special young hitter a lot of people are very high on. In terms of Spencer Torkelson, sort of the opposite situation. The Tigers drafted him as a third baseman. Uh, it was very, very clear from the outset that would be a stretch. His first full season comes around. He's a first baseman only. But so are Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt and plenty of other franchise-caliber superstars. It's really not a problem. What can Tigers fans expect from Spencer Torkelson? You mentioned he got off to a little bit of a slow start, which we saw from a lot of 2020 draft picks. Completely understandable, given they didn't really have a 2020 season. Uh, But he really kicked it up a notch as the year went on and, again, finished strong uh, getting up to AAA. Yeah, the thing that I think you can be excited about with Spencer is that defensively, he's sound as well. I think he's athletic enough. He's got the instincts. He has the intellect to where he really could do well at either corner. But obviously, as we know at Detroit, they are lacking severely with a solid, productive first baseman. I I think with Spencer's glove, from what I've seen, handles the position with ease. Um, He's confident in his abilities. He moves really well on his feet. Not not a big guy, but he's solid enough to where he's going to be a good fixture at that corner. So I think the Tigers do have something that they can really invest in moving forward. And once he hit his stride with West Michigan, didn't hit his first home run until May 22nd. So, of course, you have the Tigers fan base throwing out the white flag and saying, save us, save us, our prospect isn't producing. It shows you once again everybody is different. It doesn't matter how much of a success you are in high school or college, you can still hit a snag once you get into professional baseball. And then like what we saw, once he hit that stride, he said, guys, I'm good. I got this. And obviously put on a display at the plate, really drew rave reviews when he was at the Futures game out in Denver, got one of the highest watched um, batting practices before the game started. And everybody Everybody just loved what they saw. So I think plenty of reasons to be excited moving forward with him. In terms of your process of putting together the top 10, how many times did you flip these two back and forth? You know, I probably lost count because (laughs) (laughs) I'm the type of person that I tend to probably overanalyze as opposed to under just because I do want to be extremely thorough in my work. But you, you compare the two, like I said before, some differences in the profile overall, but once again, I mean, when you really look at the, the profile as a whole, you really can't go wrong with either one, and that's definitely a lot of reason for Tigers fans to be excited. So what was the final thing that pushed Riley Green up to number one between the two? I would say just the consistency. Uh, like I mentioned before, really didn't see any type of you know, growing pains that you might see from an early early round prospect like that, getting used to kind of grabbing his footing. He really has just excelled in every way. You put him into um, professional baseball for the first time. He went through three different affiliates in the same year, and he was still running flat out in the outfield to make catches. He was still putting the bat on the ball, running on fumes 
and he was still producing. And I think that just speaks a lot to who he is and who he's about to become. Absolutely. Emily, as we've talked about, this Tigers offense is not just two players away from becoming a good offense. Uh, They're bottom 10 in the majors in most categories. And you look around, Jonathan Scope had a good year, but he's a little bit older. Jimer Candelario is really the only youngish guy they have where you say, yep, totally fine, him and Akil Badu. And then you look at, they signed Javier Baez. There are some swing and miss questions there. So there are some questions surrounding this offense. And as good as Green and Torkelson are, they alone are not going to take this offense from a bottom 10 to a top 10 in terms of run scored, OPS average, all the things they need to get better at to really become a true postseason contender. And that's where the second tier of the position players in the system are intriguing and, and really important for the Tigers' future outlook. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, just making calls, talking with scouts who had Tigers organization coverage this past year, was how many of those guys below Green and Torkelson were getting really solid reviews. A couple of college guys from the 2019 and 2020 draft classes in particular, Dylan Dingler, Gage Workman, Ryan Kreidler, all got pretty good reviews in different ways. What's kind of the assessment of this trio in particular? And ultimately, how did they kind of settle into the top 10 where they did for you? Yeah, one of the beauties I think about Gage Workman in particular is one scout said, you look at a guy who obviously we got to know him as Spencer Torkelson's teammate when Spencer was really kind of breaking into uh, the draft conversations. But he said the beauty about Gage is that Gage is going to be sneaky good was the phrase he used. He said, you're going to have a guy here who's going to produce, but he's not going to grab headlines as quickly. Um, He's going to kind of come out of nowhere and surprise people. And he said, sometimes those are the players that really can be the most dangerous because they may not be as expected with the way that they produce. And then with Dylan Dingler, that's a guy who really has impressed me with the type of reviews he's gotten for leadership. Um, He is somebody who's not vocally grabbing attention. He's, he's more soft-spoken, kind of a quieter guy, but the coaches I've spoken to about him, they said he's somebody who leads by example. Um, he lets his work speak for him. Incredibly intelligent when it comes to his approach to the game, both behind the plate and at the plate. And they said that's somebody that they could see producing and becoming a strong fixture for the Tigers in the future. Ryan Kreidler is actually the guy that interests me most. Son of a sports writer, was always known as a tremendous defender, especially at UCLA, watching him play defense. A guy that big, that graceful, it's rare to see. He could play short, he could play third, it was all there. But there were a lot of questions about the bat. Uh, and then his final season at UCLA, he started to hit a little bit, showed some power, and that led to the Tigers taking him relatively high in the draft in the fourth round. But what he went out and did this year, the power he showed, was something that surprised really anyone and everyone who had had some familiarity with him. Uh, went out in his first full season, hit 22 home runs while getting up to AAA, and hit 270 while doing it. What do the Tigers have here? Because this is, again, just an, an athletic defender who you like the physicality, but for him to hit like he did at the minors' upper levels, uh, no one saw that coming. No, I would say I would agree with you. He was one of the most pleasant surprises this past regular season, just because of the fact that he sort of came out of nowhere. He was a little quiet in his, in his introduction to the organization. Um, but one of the entertaining things to it is once he got into that group with Torkelson and Green, and they sort of started to rip apart Double A Erie and Triple A Toledo at the plate. 
Riley said they actually started a competition where he was um, roommates with Ryan for a while. And he said Ryan would go out and hit a home run. And Riley would say, well, if you can hit a home run, I want to hit a home run. And he would hit a home run. And it just sort of became this thing between the three of them where they would feed off of each other. And it, it speaks similarly to the way that uh, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, all of those guys would feed off each other from a pitching standpoint. And it's a healthy culture. You've got guys who want to excel. They want to be the best. And the thing with Ryan that I'm going to be the most curious about is if he does stick defensively, just because his size obviously draws a lot of questions. He's six foot four, obviously much larger than a lot of guys in his position. But one scout told me, he goes, you don't see guys his size who move as well as he does. And so the fact that he sort of lives up to the position, despite the fact that he does have so much frame to work with, I think he could continue to surprise people. So I think it's going to depend a lot on what the Tigers' biggest need is and what pieces they have to shift around in order to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it myself. It's kind of amazing watching a guy as big as he is move as gracefully as he does. But the Tigers have something here, and it kind of all circles back to me where, again, you've seen it. There were a lot of years where the Tigers would get some guys in their system, and they just did not develop or did not progress. And now it seems like these guys are progressing. And at least from the outside looking in, I just see the progression of, of Scooble and Mize into the major leagues. And we've talked about all these position players, how they've all taken steps forward. It, it does feel like a new day is dawning a little bit in Tigers player development. No, it absolutely does. And I think the Tigers have really set the bar high for themselves, knowing the lack of production from those key trades that they had back in 2017. Jamer Candelario, who you mentioned earlier, He's one of the very, very few of those trade returns who's really done much at all for the Tiger system. Knowing that the Tigers are aware, hey, if we're not going to be able to capitalize off that, we've really got to step up our game on a development front and getting guys like A.J. Hench, Chris Fetter, who we mentioned before, that's showing we want to put the right people into place so we can pull the most value out of these guys that we've pulled through the draft. All right, Emily, with that, there is some depth to this system because, again, you have some guys popping up. I want to dive into that with you. First, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We're back with Emily Walden breaking down the Detroit Tiger system. All right, Emily, you made a comment earlier I thought was pretty funny where uh, Tigers fans were howling when Spencer Torkelson got off to a slow start and waving the white flag and thinking, oh, no, another blown pick. Uh, We saw a little bit of that Tigers angst when they took Jackson Joe with the third overall pick in the draft last year. Uh, Marcelo Mayer, who a lot of people considered arguably the best player in the 2021 draft class, was available uh, because the Pirates went under slot with Henry Davis and the Rangers had really, really locked in on Jack Leiter. The Tigers were known to be very, very interested in Marcelo Mayer, had a lot of good things to say about him. But ultimately, they went with Jackson Job, and the high school right-hander demographic is a scary one, and a lot of people were very, very upset about that pick. I will say one of the things that's been interesting is a lot of the people that I spoke to during my draft calls who generally stay away from high school right-handers and really just don't even want to mess with them, even they were really, really on Jackson Job. They, they saw the athleticism. They saw the polish. This wasn't a raw arm strength guy. This wasn't a guy you have to project everything coming up a huge amount. It seemed like everything was a good balance, good stuff with projection, good athlete, good head on his shoulders. And even though he didn't get into a professional game last year, uh, as we were putting together a top 100 this year, he was someone that kept coming back from pro scouting directors. Hey, push this guy up your list, push this guy up your list. What is the outlook for Jackson Job, and what are the odds he makes Tigers fans a little happier than they were on draft day? Well, I, I'm sure Al Avila and company is very much hoping that he does exceed expectations just from that front. Um, the Tigers are not shy from the fact that they love pitchers. They love big pitchers. They've always been an organization that's known for that. And I think for Tigers fans, realizing what they believe is best for the organization doesn't always match with what the organization feels. And I liked what she said about the projection mixed with already evidence stuff. Jackson is extremely mature. Um, All of the scouts that I spoke to, they said, this is a guy who pitches well beyond his years. Um, He's still 19, 6'2", about 190 pounds, He's got a really, really advanced pitch mix, uh, fastball, curve, slider change. Um, I've been told that his slider was viewed as the best in the draft class by a lot of people. And I think when you're still that young, obviously being a high school arm, it is a much, much bigger risk. Um, But to have the type of resume that he has still being as young as he is, I think it's an exciting mix of ingredients. But like we mentioned before, it all comes back to how well can the Tigers develop this how well can they pull the most value out of it? And that's going to really make a difference as far as what his future looks like. It's important to be patient. I did a study. Mackenzie Gore was kind of the uh, inspiration for it a few weeks back, another high school pitcher who was the third overall pick in his draft class. And it showed that on average, high school pitchers, it takes them six years from the time they're drafted until they throw 100 innings in the majors for the first time on average. And it really almost never happens any earlier than five years. So again, this is, this is a long-term play as polished as he is. It's 2022. Now history says it will be 2027 before he is a staple of the Tigers rotation. And that's fine. That would put him on a perfectly normal track. Emily, 
this system, again, we've talked about the second-tier position players. Um, we have a good group of pitchers in the majors. You have some high upside pitchers in the minors, headlined by Job and Ty Madden as well, who is another pick uh, in this year's draft that, that really – they got much later and a lot of people expected him to be available, uh, but it always takes depth. It always takes guys, you know, beyond the top group to help a team that has been in a, a streak of losing seasons become a consistent winning organization again. Who are some guys maybe outside of this, this top group and outside the top 10 that intrigue you and you think have a chance to really jump here in the next year or two? Yeah, a couple that have stood out to me, um, I think come back to the Tigers doing their best to sort of, strength and a presence on the um, international side. Uh, Christian Santana um, is one in particular that's already drawing a lot of talk, even from minicamp um, this year down in Lakeland. have already heard a lot of chatter about him. Um, the fact that he is working so consistently um, and still being as young as he is. He's 18, um, six-foot uh, shortstop um, that they picked out of the Dominican. And he signed actually for a team record $2.95 in January of last year just because the Tigers liked so much what they saw from him. Um, another one who I think might be a bit of a late bloomer um, is Colt Keith, um, who the Tigers have not seen the same flashy production from, but he's another one who is sort of still coming into his own. Um, he's somebody who started to hit a little bit better later in the year last year. And I think he's just going to need a little bit of time to sort of find his own. Um, and then I would say on the other side of that, um, another young guy, and this, this is the thing with where the Tigers are at right now positionally, a lot of these guys are still young. Um, so it's still going to be a bit before we actually see them fully come into their own. Um, but Adenso Reyes is another young shortstop who the Tigers have been sort of cultivating behind the scenes. He's been showing up a bit more offensively, um, developing more on a defensive standpoint. Um, and then obviously Roberto Campos, who Tigers fans were wondering if he even existed for a while because there was such limited footage of him. Um, got a chance to show off a little bit last summer down in Lakeland. They expect him to make a little bit more noise this season just because he is very physically mature for his age. Um, he's shown to be extremely productive at the plate. And if you can handle that pressure, the Tigers are going to move you forward. You just have to show that you can be consistent and they're going to give you a challenge. So I think those are a couple of names that we could definitely hear more about this season. Yeah. So given that group of players, how many guys would you say were really in the mix to be in the top 10 and how many guys are you know, clear cut top 10 uh, compared to guys on the fence? Um, yeah, I'd say it was, it probably came down to a list of about, I'd say about 15 guys that I had to sort of shift, shift and shimmy. And some of them very clear cut, obviously, like the top five was very, very simple for me, um, which I'm sure everybody else can agree on that too. But then you get a little further down the list. Um, you've got a guy like Joey Wentz, um, who obviously has had a bit of an uphill battle um, with his, his health issues that scouts still see a lot of potential with him and what he brings to the table. And then some of the younger draft picks, it's still it's it's going to be a little little bit of time before we can fully see what they're able to do, but a lot of really intriguing profiles in the system right now. And coming from somebody who's covered the system really from a full time basis since 2015, it is light years ahead of where it used to be. And I I congratulate the Tigers for that. 
for the choices they've made and really putting an honest effort as far as strengthening the organization and trying to give the fans something to get excited about. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned that. You look at the Tigers this year, they are number six on our organization talent rankings at Baseball America. And you just look back a couple of years ago and you see the trend line. 2017, their farm system ranked 25th, 2018, 20th, 2019, 14th, 2020, 11th. And then entering last year, they were fifth and this year they're sixth. So we've seen them go from uh, really the bottom third of all major league organizations in terms of their farm system to uh, a top 10 system two years in a row now. And it's been a long, steady climb. It wasn't a one or two year turnaround, but uh, it has been a a pretty consistent progression. And now it seems like they're on the verge of reaping the rewards. Emily, with that, what would you say are the biggest strengths of this system as it currently stands? And maybe what's one or two things that still need improvement? Because there's always room to improve, even when you're talking about a top five or six farm system. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Tigers have done well with building more of a pitching core over the years. Um, Obviously, their top talent is with Detroit right now, um, but there are still a number of arms to keep an eye on. And for me personally, I think for the Tigers, it's a matter of sort of dispersing that talent a little bit more cleanly through the system to where you don't necessarily have these groupings. I feel like when you have these groupings of talent, it leaves some of that dead space in between and it creates some inconsistency in this pipeline of players that you're trying to shift forward. So I think if it, if it were up to me, I would say just trying to fill some of those gaps on both offense and defense in order to keep the consistency of the guys that you're bringing ahead and just saying, you know what, if we graduate this guy, we still have these few guys right behind him to where you're not really missing steps as an organization and you're not having to scramble to fill those voids but that you're almost forward thinking and you're forecasting knowing this is where we're going to have to strengthen you know two or three years down the road what's our game plan to approach that and make sure we can stay competitive as an organization all right emily i'm going to put you on the spot you ready i am ready the tigers have had five straight losing seasons Everyone wants to know when that's going to end. Last year, they went 77 and 85. Uh, They finished very, very strong. They had a winning record after the All-Star break. Is 2022 the year that streak of losing seasons ends and they finish above 500? Yes. What makes you say that? I think the trend from last year was really, really encouraging. Um, I I know it, it, it was a little choppy, Uh, to start off, but I think the way that we saw things sort of move in that positive direction, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't finish above 500 this year. Obviously, we're still crossing our fingers to have baseball, Um, (laughs) but my hope is that once, once everybody gets all that stuff sorted out, I think if they can catch enough momentum as a team, I think you've got really just a, a fun, intriguing mix of youngsters on that roster who should continue to shake things up. I still love Akil Badu. I think that he's been so good for that organization. He's been such a breath of fresh air. And then you get more of these young arms, hoping that Matt Manning can sort of come into his own a little bit more this year and keep working behind Casey and Tarek. I think that they could do it this year. I'm, I'm choosing to stay optimistic about it, uh, but I think they're trending in a really good direction. Yeah, yeah, there's no question seeing them 
have a winning record in the second half last year and knowing that you have some of the hitters on the way again, as long as they stay healthy, I think it's pretty reasonable to expect both Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson will make their debuts this season. And if everything goes according to plan, they'll be able to impact the team in some form or fashion. There's always rookie struggles, but uh, these are two very, very talented players who you expect to eventually figure it out and, and provide some positive contributions. Emily, any final thoughts as we wrap up here? Uh, I'm just ready to get baseball back. I know all of us have, have gone through a long winter. I'm excited to see, obviously, the major league um, situation get itself sorted out, but very excited that we still have minor league baseball to look forward to. So I personally, crossing my fingers that I'll be able to get out to the ballpark and, and be in the healthiest form I can possibly be. And I just encourage everybody else to get out there as well and support these minor league teams. Absolutely. We're all looking forward to getting back out to a ballpark. And specifically, we're all looking forward to seeing you back out at a ballpark. Once again, I encourage everyone, please go online, go to rotoware.com, uh, purchase a Pitching Ninja t-shirt, Emily's Fight Edition. They're available for a limited time through February 27th. Again, all net proceeds uh, will be donated directly to Emily to support her in her fight against breast cancer. Once again, to rotoware.com, Pitching Ninja t-shirt, Emily's Fight Edition. Emily, Thank you so much for joining us, providing your insight as always. And we all look forward to seeing you back at a ballpark very, very soon. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Emily Walden, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.